Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? Ready. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag NBA. PK, we're inching closer to Lakers and Clippers. Lakers take the lead in their series. They beat the Rockets. They're up two games to one. Rondo came up with a big game. LeBron had his typically big game. Not just scoring, but in the second half, running around, blocking shots, intimidating people. And they dominated the fourth quarter. That was a close game for three quarters. Yeah, it was. I really believe that if those two stars for the Lakers score 60, they'll win. And then when you put Rondo in there, he's been a major addition. I didn't think he'd be this big of an addition, but he has been. If he can keep it up, then there's no reason why they're not winning at all. I have the Clippers still, but if those two get 60 and Rondo can play like he does, and then really that just takes the pressure off everybody else, the Lakers become a really, really good team. So if you're an anti-Laker fan, uh, you have to hope that they don't go for 60 and that Rondo comes down to earth a little bit. But, yes, it's looking like that they should win this series. I don't I haven't eliminated Houston uh, completely by any stretch. I thought that uh, they played a little bit better. You know, Westbrook was much smarter in the way he played, which doesn't surprise me because he's an intelligent guy. D'Antoni's an intelligent guy. So they could figure out how to utilize him better than they did earlier. Uh, but still, that was disappointing, as you say, the way they just basically rolled over in the fourth quarter. Early, it was it was close those whole three quarters, and the Laker lead went to 10 early in the fourth quarter. Uh, partly, Harden, um, th- there was a good run, I think, at the end of the third when Harden was out. The Lakers did well, which you would expect. And the Lakers got the lead in the fourth quarter. LeBron's out, and he's standing over on the table, and it felt like Superman was ready to put on the cape and come back in the game. But the Rockets didn't make a move. And so he's leaning. I mean, literally, he's not, like, sitting. He's, it looks like he was leaning on something. Like, I know I could come back, but why would I mess up the mojo these guys have? And the Rockets need to do well when LeBron's out of the game. That's pretty obvious. I thought that um, Westbrook, first off, he took a lot of shots. He stayed aggressive. He made a high percentage of them. He had the rebounds and assists and all that stuff. I thought the Rocket bench, that was... Uh, that was a big problem there. They had one guy who came off the bench and scored, and that was Jeff Green. And, and he had 16. But you shorten your rotation, you got to get a little something, and, and they didn't really. Yeah, Rivers has really been disappointing. Uh, scoreless in 11 minutes. I mean, you got to get something out of him. But scoreless in 11 minutes is a major disappointment. Uh, on the other side of the uh, on the east, uh, it's over. The Miami Heat knocked the Bucks out of the playoffs. Now, Ante Kempo making strong uh, comments about uh, not wanting to demand a trade, and uh, he's he's going to tough it out and run through that wall, PK. So for everybody who wants to see stars who are drafted in small markets stay in small markets and not make super teams, those were encouraging comments. But actions speak louder than words. But the words were good. I didn't even pay attention to the words, honestly. Clippers, Nuggets tonight. Clippers are up two games to one. It's 7 o'clock on uh, ESPN. Doc Rivers talking about Nikola Jokic, the Joker. He has a little bit of everybody. He's got all the footwork and the moves of Olajuwon. The lanky and goofy, like goofy intelligence of Kevin McHale. 
Shoot, he's just good. He's a he's the best passing big I've seen since uh, ever. Well, no, best passing thing I I've seen I think ever. I know Walton was one of the best. Who tweeted out a couple weeks back that he's the best passing big man since Bill Walton? One Patrick Kinahan. Boom, there it is. And my buddy who works for ESPN, Jason Reed, mm-hmm. he went back at me a couple years or a couple weeks back. Uh huh. And was going Sabonis, and I said, no, I don't think so. I think it was Walton. Statistics back me up. And you can't say, well, uh, Sabonis and his injuries. Sabonis at his prime didn't play in the NBA, so how do we know he would have been as good? So I shot off a text to my buddy, and he responded back, as soon as I saw that quote earlier in the day, I knew, I knew this it. text was coming. <laughs> right? <laughs> Nothing about you has changed. <laughs> like clockwork, baby. Because we used to sit there night after night working desk shifts at the Daily Breeze, arguing about sports, whatever whatever you could possibly argue about. And I'm not just he and I. I'm talking all of us. We argued about, man. Those were, I didn't realize it at the time, which is a lot of the times it works that way. But those were some great times I had with those guys, and that's why I've maintained friendships all these years later, because we would argue and go back and forth just on the dumbest things, and you had to pass the time somehow, and that's how we did it. Oklahoma City Thunder coach Billy Donovan, will he look back on the five years in Oklahoma and say, those were the good old days? Mutually uh, agreeing to make. Mutually, <laughs> right. Mutually agreeing to part ways. Does that mean that uh, he's in line for one of the open NBA jobs? Should we connect the dots? Well, if it's mutually, that would mean that they would want him gone, right? So uh, they wouldn't be upset. But I would think if he wants to continue to coach, he's going to coach. He's. It's not like he had. He didn't match the success that he had at the collegiate level where he won two titles at a football school, no less. I mean, Florida came into its existence basketball-wise with Donovan, and then I don't know if I can't recall anything that they've done since he's left. They've probably been okay, but they haven't been on my radar by any stretch. Uh, And he did okay at the the pro level, I think. I don't think you can say it was a complete and total failure. I realize he didn't win at all, but, you know, it's really hard to win at all at the pro level. And probably, I think the NBA title might be the hardest and at the same time the easiest to win. <laughs> if you get because, the right guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you got the right two or three players, you're good to go. If you don't, forget it. You can have good, you can have really good teams, but you're probably not going to win at all because it's just, you know, you can point to the one or the first or second best player in the league. But I would think he'd be able to find work if that's what he wants. I would think he's employable uh, for the same reason that the coach of the year gets handed out. You know, you get graded versus expectations. The expectations weren't that great for Oklahoma City. Certainly the results either matched the people who had the highest expectations and probably exceeded a lot of people's expectations. That they were right there in the mix, three, four, five, six. Just, you know, really not much separating those teams. After the, the deals they made and the talent that's left town there, and as a coach, you don't have any control over that. I would think that uh, somebody would be interested in him, and we're going to see him coaching somebody else. Uh, the all-defensive team is out. You're shocked to see that Rudy Gobert made it for the fourth straight year. Otto Kempo, Anthony Davis with the Lakers, Ben Simmons, and Marcus Smart. Well, he owns a home on the all-defensive team, that's for sure. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. 
DeAndre Hopkins, highest paid non-quarterback in NFL history. Two-year contract extension worth $54 million and 42 is guaranteed. Told reporters he negotiated the deal representing himself and includes a full no-trade clause and a no-franchise tag clause included in the deal that ties him to the franchise through 2024. So tell your sister, barring injury, he's the guy you're going to be staring at DeAndre Hopkins for three hours every Sunday afternoon. Well, I think Arizona Cardinal fans certainly hope that. Uh, he's a talent. you got to have uh, football's a team game, and so you got to have the line blocking and have little old Murray be able to get him the ball, but that's the plan. I mean, if that's the situation, then they're having success offensively. Von Miller injured tendon in his ankle right at the end of team's practice. It was the last play. He's expected to need surgery, likely will end his season right before it starts. I always hear the last play. It's, why is this the last play so often? God's will. What do, you, what do you want me to say? Running back Leonard Fournette, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. For the first time in my life, I really have a quarterback. So that's an eye-opener for me. Not a lot of pressure is going to come on me. He's got Tom Brady for a quarterback. He's had Blake Bortles, Nick Foles, Gardner Minshew. Now, he's got Tom Brady. What's so it? is he admitting that he didn't live up to his ability with uh, Jacksonville because of the fact that there wasn't a good quarterback? What He's sort of implicating himself, but my guess is that's not what he's intending to say. I think he's saying that his team's got a chance to win much bigger because now he's got a good quarterback. There he was also, always a ceiling on the team. He also went on to talk about the fact he was facing seven and eight-man boxes mm-hmm. all the time. Right. I, so Although that, I will say that's that why I wasn't that good. Nick Foles was good enough to win a Super Bowl. Now, you know, you're good enough to win a Super Bowl when you got one group of guys around you. He didn't come anywhere near winning the Super Bowl when he had a different group of guys and different coaching staff around him. Well, none of these guys, uh, well, Minshew could start in the same team, but the other guys, Foles is gone. He didn't win the job in Chicago. It would have been cool if Foles would have won the job in Chicago. My guess is he'll get the job at some point, and then he could have said, man, this is – this is the best group of guys I've had around me since Philadelphia. <laughs> right. <laughs> DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Oklahoma's COVID-19 test results will no longer be shared publicly, but the Sooners set to begin the regular season this week. Coach Lincoln Riley announced uh, yesterday, he says, I think we're to the point now where we're playing games, and obviously any active case or contract trace is going to have game repercussions. So just like we would with an injury, made the decision not to broadcast that. I know you. I know we've uh, probably been the most transparent school in the country up until then, but you don't want to give your team a competitive disadvantage, so we're not going to do that. More secrecy, PK, and he joins... ESPN's got a story on it. They got a whole list, comp, team by school by school, conference by conference. Probably 35, 40 teams doing this. So he's decided, looking for every edge. Yeah, but I thought I saw where the uh, ACC said they're going to do that, like the NFL. Didn't I see that yesterday? I did not, but I, it hope, it. I hope you're right and that it is out there. Uh, That'd be good to hear, yeah. I will double were, check during, here in the break and see if it's out there. Yeah, I thought I saw it, man. Maybe I didn't. Maybe I got. Maybe I'm confused. I'm delusional. Maybe I saw that what I wanted to see. 
I'm looking at the uh, I'm looking at a half dozen top stories on uh, ESPN and I don't see it. Oh, that's all sources said crap. So uh, no, actually, you know what? They don't have sources in there yet. They've got Louisiana Tech, Tech outbreak postpones opener versus Baylor. That's the third Big Ten school that uh, will be sitting out this weekend. Big Louis- Ten, oh, every Big Ten Big, school. Excuse me, out. third Big Twelve. There's ten teams in the Big Twelve. Jack that up. Uh, Oklahoma State isn't playing the Tulsa game. In this case, TCU-SMU aren't going as scheduled. And in this case, Louisiana Tech had an outbreak, and they blame it on the hurricane with multiple friends and family sheltering together with the storm coming, and suddenly uh, guys couldn't keep social distance, and so they've had an outbreak. So that's their deal. All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Slam Diego strikes again. Seventh Grand Slam of the year. Will Myers going deep. Padres blow out the Rockies. 14-6. Myers added a solo homer, so he had two in the game. Padres cruising towards a, uh, a postseason berth. Ten games over 500 at this point in the season, 27-17. and 17. They haven't done it since 98 when they went to the World Series, PK. All sorts of first-time-since stuff. 98. Plan working. Plan finally working. Liking it. Dodgers' plan is working. They beat the Diamondbacks in 10 innings. Gavin Lux is second home run. Lifting the Dodgers to the win. They get a 10-9 victory. The Dodgers, going to be the one seed. At this point, just getting the rotation in order now? Or is it too early to take your foot off the gas? you got to lie to yourself and say there's something at stake here. Obviously, play baseball. I mean, well, you know, that's all you need to do is play baseball. 31 and 12 now, winning more than 70%, 72% of their games. They are crushing it. And the Yankee slide, we were talking yesterday about 14 and 19. Now it's 15 and 20. They got beat by the Blue Jays 2 to 1. Is it possible that the Yankees are actually going to miss the playoffs? Down to 500. That is the eighth and final playoff spot in the American League. They are a half game in front of Baltimore. Is it possible that the Yankees and Red Sox, who dominated the American League East for so long, are going to finish fourth and fifth? In the in the division? In the division. Uh, I would say, yeah, it's possible, but not probable. Boston has, uh, has done a good job of locking down the uh, five spot. They're six and a half games behind everybody. So it comes down to, can the Yankees stay in front of the Orioles, or could they catch the Jays? They're six and a half behind Tampa Bay, so that seems like that's out of the question. GM Brian Cashman talking about the Yankees. Uh, it's not something we're accustomed to, having a slide like this. We're used to better baseball than this. Our fans deserve better baseball than this. This is their uh, worst span over the last 20 years. Sinking fast. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Hashtag RSL. RSL and LAFC tonight, 7.30. This is a rescheduled game. They're going to play two weeks ago, but that's when everything stopped in sports, including this. So they rescheduled it here tonight. LAFC struggling. They've lost three of their last four. Haven't won since they left the bubble in Orlando. So, yes, they're one of the better teams, but right now they're not playing like it. So if there was ever a time, it seems like this is the time. Good luck to you guys. Thank you. Need uh, need to not uh, give up a bunch of goals. Given up 11. Scored 10, given up 11 in the last four games. Team that could neither score nor allow any goals is now conceding them left and right and scoring them left and right too. 
DJ and PK, What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, BYU offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes is going to join us at 730. And uh, Andy Benoit is going to join us. Andy Benoit, Andy Benoit. 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 It's not. It's neither Benoit nor Benoit. It's kind of funny. Well, you, you can ask him about it. Andy Benoit. All right. NFL analyst joining us courtesy of Bet Online, and uh, he's here to talk about the kickoff to the NFL season. Who's got the great odds? Who does everybody believe in? Who's a sleeper? We'll get to all that coming up at eight o'clock. Jeff Grimes coming up next on ninety-seven five and twelve eighty the zone. Big Show. It's a big deal. With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. I don't know whether BYU would have beat Utah or not. No one will ever know that. But all I know is that they're capable of playing extremely well. That's what we saw last night. A team that was darn near flawless. And if they can play like that every week, I think they would give every opponent, even their original schedule, a really good game. Absolutely, because they're good up front on both sides of the ball. Can you imagine watching that offensive line that we saw play last night for BYU going up against an inexperienced yet I'm sure talented defensive line for Utah. It would have been a battle, oh, it man. Been it would have been awesome. And that defensive yeah, line for I, BYU I, try to stop Utah's run? Yeah, it would have been great. The Big Show. Weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Master Electrical Services. Master Electrical is always open during this challenging time. Call Master Electrical at 801-543-2222 for upfront pricing and your satisfaction guaranteed. Master Electrical will light up your day. Jeff Grimes, BYU Offensive Coordinator, is going to join us in about five minutes or so, and we will talk to him about the win over Navy and look ahead to uh, Army and the rest of the season. That's coming up in just a few minutes. Right now we get the question of the day out there. Are you going to try and be one of the 6,000 people to watch BYU's first home game? they got a plan, PK. they got a plan to let a few fans in, socially distance, have some crowd noise, have a little enthusiasm. Who wants in? I would think there would be tons. I don't know how they came up with 6,000. It seems to me they could put in more, but I guess everybody's paranoid about uh, being politically correct here. And they came up with 6,000. But, yeah, I would think that would be a hot ticket, especially if they win in their next game, right? Because that's two games away. Yes, they have another road game with Army coming up. How many of them will have their full BYU regalia on outside the stadium, Jack wants to know. Uh, There's no way I'm going to that game unless they're playing USU. Go Aggies! Jack, the first one to weigh in. Regalia, PK. Full regalia. Yeah, the guy who was uh, claiming outside of uh, Sammy Boyd Stadium. May Sammy Boyd Stadium rest in peace. I was at six different uh, Las Vegas Bowls, okay? Uh-huh. And in 2009, I was at the, uh, the – I went out at halftime during the, 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 the game there. And there were – I counted exactly 24 fans in full BYU regalia out smoking cigarettes. Counted them. Didn't have anything better to do. One, two, three, four. Donna says – no thanks. 
Not interested. She's not going. So check her off the list. Who needs you, Donna? <laughs> uh, Nick says, hell yeah! Three exclamation points. Go Cougs! He got a thumbs up and a laughing, laughing emoji for that. He's in. Put him on the list. I would be on that list for no other reason that, man, to say you went to this game and you attended the least attended game in BYU Cougar slash Little Edwards Stadium history. See what it's like. The least attended game. Right? Uh, you think so? I think Savannah State's like the... The record holder in that, if you can hold a record in that. And I, I think that was, I, I don't remember what that was, 17,000, 24,000? I don't know. They announced, I think, mid-30s, but it was definitely not mid-30s. I got to say, full, it, maybe? it didn't feel like a BYU game with not, not having the camera directed on Zach Wilson's mother a good portion of the game. <laughs> Randy says, try to go. Come on, basically only the top 1% of donors even have a chance. If you're not already in the club, you're watching at home. Step up your game. (laughs) Cough up the cash. 6,000, what is the uh, season ticket base this day? Would this be about uh, 15, 20% of the season ticket base? My math's probably bad. That's probably horrible. No, that's probably lower than that, I would guess. 6,000 is not even 10% of the stadium. Okay, I'm not going to try to do math on the air. I'm just going to humiliate myself even more. But there'd be, what, 40,000, 35,000, 40,000 season ticket holders? probably around that, yeah. Yeah, okay. So step up your game to PK's point. Be in the top 6,000 out, out of those season ticket holders and donations. But some of them are going to pass. You don't actually have to be Maybe in the top so. 6,000. Well, some might take it and put it on the secondary market. Oh, a wise investment. Is that even going to be possible? Why not? <laughs> They're all digital tickets, so I guarantee it's going to happen. Sweet. Why wouldn't Sweet. it be possible? I, mean, I don't know. They're going to have some rule. If you buy them, you got to use them or yeah, something. It's, it's, you can't enforce this. Yeah, good luck. Unenforceable. Rule. All right, there it is. Well, in that case, you would think it'd be a seller's market. That's what they do then. No I mean, they already right? have that. You can go on StubHub right now, and, and concerts are being rescheduled for next year, and they're, they're there. I've already looked at them. Utah Pig Bus Tailgate. Well, you know this is going to be good, right? Uh, trying to get one of those tickets is like trying to run a fake pun out of your own end zone on 4th and 19. Stupid. <laughs> He just wanted to reference the fake punt on 4th and 19. I don't know if you should draw too many conclusions. <laughs> I think he just he just wanted to bring up a fake punt. And what's the television game? Is that an ESPN game? It's a home game, so they obviously own the rights, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that would be really cool, actually. I had a friend of mine um, during the game. Now, he has Navy connections. And... Uh, texted me, I wish Kalani would stop acting like an adolescent out on the sidelines during the Navy game. And I actually thought, no, that's smart, because without fans, what better way to fire your guys up than being emotional? 
The game will be an ESPN game, PK. Troy on ESPN, the mothership at 815. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It is time to welcome NBYU's offensive coordinator, Jeff Grimes. He joins us on the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Jeff, good morning. Good morning, guys. How's it going? It is going well. We have many questions for you, and the first one, did you know that was coming? <laughs> you know what? I, I, no. I thought we would play well, um, but no, I, I did not imagine it would be like that. I've got a lot of respect for for um, that program and the way Coach Niamatololo runs the program, and I know a couple of their coaches, and, and I know they're um, – they're certainly going to get their, their ship righted, so to speak. But, um, no, I, I didn't expect that. But you know what? We've got a lot of experience coming back on offense. And I, a number of people asked me um, during, the, during the quarantine days and then as we got back to fall camp how I felt like things were going for us. And I said, you know, I think we've got an opportunity here to be a little bit ahead of some other people because, A, We've got an experienced group coming back on offense, and so I think they're capable of doing more on their own maybe than some young guys who don't know the system as well. And then B, the type of guys we have, I think, will take initiative and be self-starters and do a lot of stuff on their own. And I think that showed up Monday night. So I know, Jeff, most coaches, you know, unless you're the uh, service academies where you're running the option, they like to say they have they want balance on offense on both sides, being able to throw and run the ball. But do you think after what we saw, and given the fact that you have so much experience up front in the trenches where you played, that you could establish an identity going forward maybe this year as a running team? I think we'll continue to stress balance. That's something that that I've said since I got here and it's something I believe in strongly. And there'll be some games where we do run the ball more and then there'll be some where we throw it a little bit more. And I think it, I think it depends on what the defense gives us. And I think um, most good teams, as you alluded to when you said maybe with the exception of service academies and then maybe a few um, Mike Leach. On the other side of that, most teams that you see – are balanced. And it doesn't mean 50-50 run pass, but it means you're capable of running the ball or throwing the ball in any given scenario. Jeff Grimes, BYU offensive coordinator joining us. So they couldn't tell us on the broadcast enough that BYU had had uh, injuries and had to shuffle guys around. You have eight returning starting linemen on the offense there. And then uh, we've read stuff that Four guys are getting a lot of interest from the NFL. Now, whether they get drafted or they stick remains to be seen, but that means at least four of them have enough talent that scouts are you know, taking multiple looks. Knowing that, do you think the offensive line, regardless of the stats, is going to dominate enough that they're going to have to bring an extra defender up or you guys are going to be able to, to run the ball pretty well? I hope so. I think, I think we've certainly got the makings of that kind of front, and we've got um, a couple of running backs who, who played really well the other night. They played well within the scheme, and they, they made decisive, violent cuts, and uh, it, it was an example of the running backs from the O-line being in sync and working well together. So 
We know you had heavy losses in the receiver core as far as guys not coming back. And, and certainly your Mill and Romney and, some, and getting Pau back. You returned some guys there, but you lost the bulk of your talent. And then you lose Bushman. And obviously that was a significant blow in a lot of different ways, and we all wish him the best. So that's why I was wondering that maybe until the passing game gets to where you want it to be, you would lean more towards the run, or are you comfortable thinking that the passing game is where you want it to be now? So, yeah, you would have that balance. I didn't go into the game with the thinking that we were going to run it more than we threw it. Sometimes you just get into a game and things just kind of roll that way, you know. And and if it's if if it's hitting, then you keep then you keep going with it. So that was really more of an example of that. I have a lot of confidence in our passing game. I think Zach is is um, considerably further along. And at any time since I've been here, obviously his first year he was a he was a young punk freshman just trying to figure out what to do and then last year his health wasn't what it is now his arm is better the ball's coming out with more velocity and he's making good decisions um yes we did lose three competent receivers but i think we replaced them with three guys who were kind of in that next phase of their careers um matt was a significant blow and you know that that hurt us on the field it hurt me personally because you know, in, in all my years of coaching, that's one of the one of the most disappointing um, injuries I've been a part of because he was primed to have a great year, and he's worked so hard for it. But we'll move forward, and we've got some young tight ends that that will step up, I'm sure. And you know, that that's probably the spot where we're where we're behind uh, where we anticipated being, but. Uh, to answer your question directly, I feel confident in our passing game, and if we need to go into a game and throw it uh, twice as much as we run it to to win the game, I think we're ready to do that. Uh, with uh, Katoa and Algier running back, they're going to split time pretty evenly. You have some 60-40, 70-30 plan. How do you plan to handle playing time at that position going forward? Yeah, we went into the game thinking that those two would split reps, and you know sometimes it just kind of depends on on how a particular drive goes, how many how many runs get called in a row, and how soon a guy needs a blow because he because he had a long run. Um, but I think they'll continue to split split reps fairly evenly, unless the case becomes that one guy's really got a hot hand and he's really feeling it one night, or one guy gets banged up a little bit. I think they'll both get plenty of carries. Usually during the off season, you know, you know your schedule, and so you game plan for a couple games, maybe up to three games, and maybe you might look at some other opponents down the line. Well, here everything was put together almost uh, metaphorically at the midnight hour. How you've been able to handle scouting teams when you had no idea you're going to be playing these teams until relatively recently? Well, fortunately, we had plenty of time to to get ready for this Navy game, and you know. As coaches, we're used to to working with about a week to go in most cases anyway, and so we still had significantly more time than that. So I didn't feel I didn't feel that we were jammed at all. We had more than enough time given the time that the game was announced and, and how much time we had to get ready for that one. And and really, we you spend so much time. That first game is so important, you know, just getting off on the right foot and and for the confidence of your your team. I think it means a lot and. Um, so we spent, you know, we spent most of our time on that one, and certainly we began looking at Army. But um, it, to me, it hadn't, that hadn't been a big challenge, and just 
really, to be honest with you, so so uh, blessed and feeling so fortunate to be playing when so many other people aren't. Jeff Grimes, BYU Offensive Coordinator, joining us. Since you mentioned Army, what did you think of their opening game? They get a shutout against Middle Tennessee State, and I don't know how good Middle Tennessee State is. They've got Louisiana Monroe uh, this weekend. What do you know about Army? Yeah, I, I don't know how good Middle Tennessee is either. You know, sometimes it's, it's a little bit hard um, when you only have such a small sample size. You just got one game to go on given any number of parameters. And those those conditions now are different than what they've ever been. Um, but um, I think they're certainly um, a team that's going to be a challenge for us. You know, another option running team, which we know what that can do in terms of your possessions and um, – you know they play. They played a, a really hard and physical brand of football. It looks like to me from the from the time that I spent watching their defense. And so, I'm expecting to go up there and have a battle. So Neil Matalolo after the game talked about how you know they didn't do much hitting, and he was erring on the side of caution during training camp with the COVID situation. Uh, what were your thoughts on how to prepare your team to play football, which obviously is a contact sport, under the circumstances that we have with the situation with the virus? Well, the way I've looked at it is I'm being paid to coach football. Somebody else is being paid to make decisions uh, regarding what we're capable of doing given different um, health health. Um, procedures and protocols and all that stuff and so my job is to operate within those protocols and and put the pedal down and go as hard as we can go and my personality is one that I'm always going to push for as much work and as as difficult of work as we can possibly get and so that's that's what I've done and you know we I think it's been pretty good for us we've been really blessed and our I think our medical staff has done a great job educating our players as a staff, you know, we've done what we can to try to keep the environment safe in our meeting rooms and anytime we're in the building. And, you know, it, it's been, um, it, it's really been a blessing for us to be as, as healthy as we have been. Jeff Grimes, BYU Offensive uh, Coordinator, joining us right now on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. So when you're coaching and there's nobody in the stands. We've been told a million times by a million coaches and players, you know, it's a game of emotion. Do you handle any of that differently as far as pumping guys up, or has it just become really clinical and, hey, this guy's got to block that guy, and if we do that, this guy can run here and we'll have a big play? You know, that's an interesting question, and I kind of wondered how that would go myself. The other thing that we as coaches have said for years is, Hey, it doesn't matter where we play. It doesn't matter who's in the stands. We're going to play for each other. We're going to play for love of the game. And you could put us out in the parking lot and put the ball down and we'll be ready to play. And I wondered if that would be the case. Certainly would it be the case to the same extent that we normally play with in terms of passion and emotion, because it is an emotional game. And um, I think it does play a large role in the game, but what it felt like to me was a little bit awkward when we were warming up and it was quiet and there were no fans out there. And then the ball kicked off and I didn't think about it again until I came out at the end of halftime and sat down with my call sheet and started reviewing my calls and thinking about 
what we wanted to go to on that first series, and I kind of looked up and realized there's actually no one here watching us, and it just felt it felt a little bit strange at that moment again. And then the ball kicked off, and we started playing, and I didn't think about it again. I think you're just so busy in the moment, and it felt like our players were as well, um, that it wasn't a factor once the ball was in the air. So I was listening to some national shows on the satellite radio, and obviously on Monday they were talking about, or Tuesday I should say, they were talking about uh, the game because it was the game of the day basically as far as that goes and I heard some comments about that very thing with the fans you know and I've traveled with BYU many times over the years and I know that they have a lot of and you know this too that they have a good portion of a a fan base that travels whether they're local wherever you might be or they travel from here or whatever it is and and they were talking about how you heard so much uh, noise I guess sound coming from the BYU sideline now I'm up in the press box all the time, so you don't hear it because the stadium, if it's not packed, it's certainly drowning out your noise. I'm wondering if you noticed that your guys, the noise that was being made as far as the emotions, is that typical? Because you're on the sideline, you might be able to hear it. We don't hear it as that, or were they making an effort to maybe motivate themselves and everybody to make sure everybody's in the game because you had no fan base to get you into it? Yeah, yeah, I think that's a valid question, and um, we did talk about that as a staff ahead of time, um, bringing our own energy, bringing our own juice, and Aaron Roderick mentioned the Wisconsin game a couple of years ago when we were up there and looked down on the sideline and we saw the energy coming from our sideline that that worked its way onto the field for our guys, and and, uh, you know, I think that's one of one of Kalani's strong suits, you know, and I, I couldn't help but hearing the comment that was made about how he was acting on the sideline when I first got on the phone right. just now. But honestly, our players love that about him, and they love that that he's willing to show his passion and emotion for the game. And I think that produces a team that, is willing to to do a little bit of what you're talking about on game day. And and I certainly talked to the offense about um, being emotional on the sideline, not only for ourselves, but for our defense and for our kicking game. And yeah, I think there there definitely was some of that. And I think it, I think it was a result of um, our head coach and the way that Kalani carries himself and the, the passion that he exudes and and I think it um, it shows something about about our guys and how much they they love each other and love the game. You know, I think the offensive line, the way they blocked and all that, you know, they need a reward. I, I think they'd like to see your emotion and passion for the game. I like think I like to see the, you coming across that sideline dancing. They'd like that, Jeff. You're going to see a different sort of emotion from me, and it's not going to involve any dancing on the sideline. <laughs> Tough guy growling, that kind of thing. Say that one more time, sorry. Tough guy growling, staring <laughs> maybe, people down. Maybe, 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 maybe some other things too, but not dancing on the sideline. I, I thought I saw you at a couple dance clubs back in the day at Tempe. Was was I wrong? Uh, it might have been a country western club, if anything. <laughs> Do you think that there is a heightened focus 
by your guys because you literally are the only team in the West playing, so there's some more gratitude just simply to be able to practice and play, and that's leading to some more focus. I think so. I do. I, I, I certainly feel that way when I talk to some of my friends uh, that are in coaching and aren't getting to do it right now, and I'm sure they feel the same way. And um, Yeah, I think so. I think we all just feel um, – Really fortunate to be in the position that we're in and, and excited to play. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's kind of like if you didn't know you were going to get to have a Christmas or something and then, yeah. and then Santa actually showed up. You know, that's kind of, <laughs> yeah. that's kind of how it feels right now. We didn't know if any of this was actually going to happen. And there were moments where early in fall camp, I went in to talk to the offense at the beginning of a, of a, of a day where we were going to practice and I looked in their faces and they looked at me and like, God, I hear what you're saying, coach, but I don't know if I'm buying it. <laughs> you know, I mean, I tried to sell them on the whole, um, we're going to play football again someday and let's be ready for that day whenever it is. And the nameless, faceless foe that we're going to play this first week. I'm talking about when we didn't know who we were going to play and we're hearing about conferences canceling their schedules and, uh, but I'll give our guys credit. They continued to show up, and they and they worked each day, and and they were willing to do the things that were necessary to lead us to this point. So does the uh, team get together, savor football, watch football, and watch Army, Louisiana, Monroe, or you let the guys go their own way during this game? Yeah, I think they'll have they'll have some downtime this weekend to kind of do their own thing. I'm sure they'll gather in small groups and and watch it. They typically do and. Um, but we'll give them a little, a little time to rest up this weekend and a little time on their own. All right. And you can work on your dance moves, so that'll work out perfect. Absolutely. There you go. Jeff, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. You got it, guys. Have a good day. Jeff Grimes, BYU Offensive Coordinator. And no, he didn't see 55-3 to coming. And yet here it is. And now, PK, chance to double down against Army. CBS 130, a week from Saturday. They got a bye week while Army plays Louisiana Monroe, which, since they're traveling a lot, it gives them time to break down the film. The guys rest up and come back. No excuses. Well, no. Another they, big, they, another big game, another big effort. Tom needed to give them a bye because they were playing on the East Coast on a Monday. So. Uh, basically, they would have had two days to prep if you played Saturday. Right. So they, there's no way that they could uh, have done that. So it was right. Even if everything was normal, they they needed to buy in in this week here. And Jeff may not have seen it going into the game, but by the middle of the first quarter, you could say, "Hey, we got this." Now you would never say that publicly, but watching the game. It was clear they got this. I mean, you knew it. That was one of the earlier games that you just knew. It was like when I was back there for Michigan, uh, you saw it the other way. Oh, they're not winning this. Or last year against Washington, you could see they're not winning this. Well, here you could see they're not losing this. At 21 nothing, it was over. You may have thought it was over before that, but you certainly thought it was over at 21 nothing. So now get ready for Army. And after that, get ready for five of the next six at home. 6,000 fans at the game. Do you want to be one of the 6,000? we got reaction pouring in on that. We will get to that coming up. And we're going to talk NFL here in about 15 minutes. Andy Benoit joins us. NFL analyst, works for Bet Online. We'll scope out the whole season. Who's going to be good? Who's going to be great? 
who's set up to disappoint. We'll get to that. Coming up in 15 minutes right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Angela Lansbury, bed knobs and broomsticks. It wasn't raining yet, but it was definitely a little misty on that warm November night. And my heart was pounding, my inner voice resounding, begging me to turn away. And then you casually walked in the room. And I was twisted in the web of my desire for you. What the hell is that? <laughs> that is being blindsided. You guys all make fun of me like I'm the only person that had a crush on Angela Lansbury. You are the only person that, that had is, a crush on Angela That is not true. No, it is pretty much true. Hanson Scotty. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Syringa Networks, home to complete business telecom and IT solutions, backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communications for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. Question of the morning. Are you going to try to be one of the 6,000 people to watch BYU's first home game? Timmy Dubs at Tim Wallace says, I don't have enough priority points. Got Annie up, PK. Why shouldn't you? Money rules. How's BYU going to handle this? I don't know how they're going to set it up to uh, who's going to be eligible for the 6000 Yeah, I don't know that, and I didn't know, and maybe I need to go back and read the release closer. Maybe one of you knows. Does the 6000 going to include tickets that go to the players and coaches, or does that go on top of it? They so, didn't mention that part. Yeah. They mentioned so, it will be student tickets that will be part of the 6000 Students will be part of the 6000 but as far as uh, the staff tickets yeah. and family and all that, so maybe they actually have seven, eight, nine, ten thousand, whatever. I don't know. I think four thousand people are coming from the staff. It, no, probably not. That's probably too high. Probably went on too long. <laughs> wow. But still, it's like if every player gets tickets, if every coach gets tickets. And I know you people are supposed to be fruitful and multiply. But, but slow down already. That one's a bit <laughs> easy. Does over it? The top. Does everybody have to have triplets all the time? <laughs> I thought you were like the NBA, including the mistresses. No. (laughs) I have literally had ticket people in the NBA say, okay, the wives sit over there, girlfriends sit over there. This section over there, that section over there. Uh, So we got uh, Adrian saying, I mean, Troy isn't the most compelling game to fight in order to watch, but I'm going to try to watch. Of course, with BYU, when you say the wives, you know. No oh, polygamy humor. Oh, nice. Yock is mad now, Not Yock. what we expected on a Wednesday. Yock, don't pout in there. Come on now. Oh, polygamy. <laughs> Put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. All right. DJ and PK, when we come back, the NFL kicking off Thursday night, tomorrow night. Set your fantasy football lineups. Make your picks for the week if you're one of those pools. Whatever it is you do, get the chips and the guacamole. Here comes the game. Andy Benoit, NFL analyst, joins us courtesy of betonline.ag. .ag, offshore, I assume. Where? Does AG tell you where? Do you know where? Antigua. Oh, really? Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, He joins us to talk NFL, the season opener. Who's going to win big? Who are the favorites? We'll get to that next. Stay with us.